Everybody, those of you that don't know, we have Chief Deputy Matt Thomas of Pinal County, Arizona. You guys might have seen him from shit, Matt. What do you, I mean? What What do you think is the most most popular thing that they've seen you from? Uh, well, probably sixty days in, dude. You I think, think it's sixty days pretty, in? Yeah, that's probably the most popular show that people usually are like, "Hey." <laughs> it's It's one of the funniest things because for me, when when I first met you guys down in. Uh, Shit, it would have been what three years ago at the NSA there in yeah in yeah. Phoenix three maybe even four. Fuck, yeah. it's been a long time, dude. Yeah, but yeah, when I when I when I first watched the show and then Mark responded to my Instagram message, I was like, I remember asking him, I was like, well, I was like, well, will will Deputy Thomas be there? Because I you know I didn't I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know your first name or anything, and oh, yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, he'll be down there. And so you know when I got to meet you guys, I was like, this is badass, and all of it was because of I mean obviously the show. But then for right. me, I love, I love, it's the cop mindset, right? You want to dive yeah. in and see all the, all the details. And when I, when I turned around <laughs> and looked at all the YouTube videos and, and all the drama with dickhead and everything else, it was so funny uh, to me because you could just tell <laughs> that you wanted to just. Oh, dude, I wanted to kick his ass so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a peach, man. He's yeah, a peach. He we'll, is. we'll dive into that. I mean, we'll dive right. into that, the show and, you know, some of the, some of the other guests and, or can, what do you call them? Contestant participants. Participants, yeah. Participants is a better word. Contestants too, but they <laughs> yeah, really weren't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to win any money or anything. But no. so, <clears throat> Matt, do me a favor here. Give me, a, give me mm-hmm. a quick, you know, quick synopsis of of who you are, uh, right. what you've been doing for the last for your career. I mean, okay. for everybody that doesn't know, um, right. yeah, give me, give me a whole synopsis, man. So, uh, born and raised Arizona. I'm an Arizona native, uh, and uh, kind of grew up in a. Uh, crazy shitty area and so grew up a little bit rough a little bit gangster and uh later on in life not too much later i was a i was 20 when i started with the sheriff's office so at 20 years old my wife and i had our first kid come in and uh i decided you know law enforcement was going to be the thing so i got into it and i started in our jail worked in our jail for uh, a short period of time just under a year and from the jail i went out to the road became a deputy and you know worked as a deputy sheriff on the street and uh as a deputy i I moved into detectives i was undercover for a while promoted out of undercover um went into i also did some some interdiction stuff when i was a deputy and then uh promoted to sergeant i was a sergeant for about just under 10 years and during that 10 years i was uh i did undercover again i did motors i did traffic i did patrol i did training i ran our academy um, and then I promoted from that. Oh, and the whole time I was, uh, our SWAT team's collateral duty. So I got on our SWAT team, uh, 97 as, you know, just a regular SWAT dude. And sure. then as I moved into Sergeant, I became a team leader on the SWAT team. And then, uh, 2010, I promoted to Lieutenant and, uh, they put me over the SWAT team. So I took command of the SWAT team. And then I had, uh, as a Lieutenant, I worked anti-smuggling narcotics and i also did a short stint over just like regular detectives property crimes persons crimes that kind of stuff uh but the majority of my focus for my whole career has been uh like dope gangs interdiction that kind of stuff and then the tactical side and then uh 2016 i was a lieutenant over swat and all that and uh mark mark lamb wins as the uh 
incoming sheriff and hits me up and says, hey, I want to meet with you. And he offers me the position to be his XO, his number two. And uh, I, I gladly accepted because if anybody knows him, he's just a genuine human being, man. And I could tell One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Oh, One yeah, of the most, sure. like you said, most genuine people you will ever meet. Yep. And so he, he laid out <clears> his vision, <throat> mission, all that stuff. And I was like, dude, I'm all in. And so 2017, uh, he took office as the new sheriff, and uh, I became his chief deputy, his XO, and we've been there since. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it. And I also, uh, I know we'll talk about this a little bit too, but uh, last year I published a book and kind of told you know some of the stuff we were doing against the cartels in that book. Yeah, man, that that, that book. I mean, you're, I've read I've, Mark's got how many now? Mark's got. Two. two or three, two. So I've read two. both of yeah. his because the first one's a pretty small one. Yeah. Uh, so I read that, read yours right after Shot Show because um, I think that's where you that's where you gave me yep. my book was yep. at Shot Show. Uh, by the way, are you guys going again? We are. We'll be there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You guys doing anybody's yep. booth? You guys just going to walk? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so this year. Uh, we talked about it with a couple of different booths, but I think we're just going <clears> to <throat> walk and we're going to. I got a few meetings I need to hit, you know, for uh, work stuff. Uh, but outside yeah. of that. I, yeah. Well, let let me know. I mean, obviously, obviously, Mark doesn't drink, but I mean, man, if you want to link up, go grab a drink. Let's let's do it. Let's absolutely yeah, sure. do it. Yeah, I um, drink his share. <laughs> that's that's exactly right, man. Exactly. Uh, so going back to 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 your background with law enforcement and everything else, people. I mean, you've named every single thing that you were doing, right? And if you haven't right. been in law enforcement, you never you never done anything like that. People are probably like, well, I don't. I don't know what, what, what this is. I mean, obviously people oh, right. guess what narcotics is, but you know, like if people yeah. start talking major crimes and all these other things, they have no idea. So I'm not going to have you go through and, Hey, tell us exactly what everything is right. because most of the people that listen to me, they, they know. Right. But right. I want to know what your favorite, what your favorite um, assignment was Narcs. and for what reason, <laughs> for what reason it was the long hair, huh? Is that it? No, dude. Yeah. Was it that was, narco? Was, was, was that when you were working UC? Yeah, undercover. It was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that long so, hair was uh, the fucking shit, dude. Working undercover was my favorite gig, and and uh, it, it, I mean, the hair was just an added plus. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, I got called Surfer Jesus with that hair, man. But you did look like <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, uh, I wish I acted like him, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, I think it was my favorite because, dude, we were beating them at their own game, yeah. and it was fucking awesome. It was it was awesome to uh, because you're playing a role, really, you know. And uh, you're playing the ultimate acting gig, like these actors that act for movies, and they ain't got shit on us, but because our life's on the line if we if we can't act oh, out yeah. the scene, right? <laughs> and so it was the <clears throat> ultimate acting job, and uh, we're beating them at their own game, usually on their turf. Uh, and so it was just the thrill of all that, man. Uh, that I I just loved it. I loved that chase. I loved beating them, and especially I had one case in particular that I. Uh, it was like my it was actually my outgoing case so i was uh i was a sergeant and i was rotating out of narcs and it was my last case and we did what's called a buy bust where i was i was in the middle of the deal and it was a meth deal so i was dealing with the dude for meth and uh when it was all said and done he's in handcuffs the case is done and i go in to talk to him and he still doesn't believe i'm a cop like i got a badge that i'm wearing hanging off a necklace and I got my ID and I'm like, Hey, you know, you're busted, bro. You need to give it up. And he's like, Oh, come on, man. And my, he's like, how the fuck did you get that badge, dude? Did they tell you to do this? And I'm like, bro, no, like I'm a cop. <laughs> yeah, no, no way. <laughs> that's some, yeah. that's funny, man. 
would you consider that one of your more memorable experiences as a, as a, as a cop? I mean, just in general, I mean, yeah, for sure, dude, the narc, I learned so much. Um, and honestly, like I learned more about what I was not seeing as a cop, because when you're out there undercover, um, nobody really knows the cops are there. Right. So they're, they're being normal. And so when I show up in uniform, dude, people act different, right? They, they just treat you differently. They act differently. Um, when you go to a gas station, everyone's like, I didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the stupid shit. But they also, uh, they also like, if you have bad guys, they change their behavior, right? Because they know it's you versus them. Oh yeah. Um, when we're all on the same playing ground and, and they don't know, uh, you know, who's who or what's what, and they're acting normal. It, it gives you a lot of insight into how they think the things they do. And so when you go back out to just being a street cop from narcs, dude, you're so much better because you're seeing shit that people, other cops aren't seeing, you're understanding things that they're not understanding. So it just made me a better cop all the way around. That man, that's awesome. I love that. And I mean, you look at, <clears throat> you know, I used to talk to guys that obviously listen, County's the shit. If you're going to be a cop, <laughs> in my Agreed. opinion, you go to County, right? Cause yep. I mean, if yep. you want, there are some guys that love corrections, man, they love it. And that's their, you know, there's some guys that are really good at it. It's phenomenal. Not yeah. really my cup of tea, but you see guys that go from corrections and then they go, like you said, everybody starts in corrections, right? For the most mm-hmm. part, then right. you go from there to the road. But in my, in my experience, after seeing lateral transfers coming from guys that have never been in, 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 in jail or in prison that, you know, they came from a, a city, city PD, right. they come into County. You can tell very quickly, in my opinion, who has been in corrections and who has not, you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. then you start, yeah. there, there's, there's that, there's that dynamic but then I, you know, I don't think people really view it what, you know, they don't have the same view or they haven't thought of, you know, going from major crimes back to a street cop. They've never, I don't think people ever think about that, how much, how right. helpful that would be. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, you're not, sure. you're not setting that there's, there's, there's gotta be some gray area, right? Obviously when you're oh, working major there, crimes, dude, there's a lot of gray area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're dude. operating on a fine line a lot of times and, and, uh, exactly. Yeah. You're, you get a lot that, of great experience, a lot of decision making experience. Yeah, and that was the that was the thing for me when because again I was never I was never never UC never did major crimes, but I did some right. stuff for for an organization, and I'll, I'll tell you about it off off air. But an organization that does anti child sex trafficking, right? Right. And when you go right. down to to these these countries, they they have you act like a like I'm a buyer, right? So they'll, they'll right. hand you a, a, right. a Rolex. It's not my Rolex. So you, you have to look yeah. wealthy and, and I speak <laughs> Spanish. So like for me, I would sit there enough Spanish. So I'd right. sit there and I can still, I can hear everything that they're talking about, but I just have to act kind of, you know, like, it's kind of stupid. Like, like I'm, I got no fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so Hola, gringo. Como, como, yeah. Como están tus, you know, like just <laughs> random shit. Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting when you step into that world because you, I mean, it's just like you said, man, you one slip up, you, yeah. you could be fucked. I mean, especially oh, with yeah. what you guys do dealing with, with immigrants and cartels and, and down there in Mexico city, it's like, dude, I could have I'd be gone in a, in, oh, in a yeah. heartbeat and dude, nobody, yeah. nobody's going to fucking find me ever. Right. Mexico city is huge. So yeah. man, it's, it's, it's crazy how careful you got to be when you're, when you're doing that. I mean, it's not just like, yeah. you're not a normal beat cop, you know, well, you're that, doing that, major that, crimes and things. The one thing, too, when I was uh, working undercover, um, and, I, and people just don't understand how much it uh, affects your whole life, right? Because you're really living two lives. Um, oh, yeah. You're living your undercover life, 
and then your normal cop life with your your you know your normal family and all that stuff and so you're you got this double life going on and you're trying to keep them separate and sometimes they cross over and not on purpose but I, you know my wife and i had to talk through uh um, plans for if we're in a store and she knew like if if a certain thing happened that that was her signal that we need to break contact she gets the kids and she just gets away from me and acts like she doesn't know me and then i deal with my shit and i get back in touch with her and let her know where we're going to rally up and you know people don't even uh think about stuff like that that you have to do you have to kind of plan out your whole life because you're living this double life and uh, you never know where you're going to run into bad guys that you're dealing with. And, and I, at least probably three different times, I ran into people I was dealing with on bigger cases working undercover. And you run into them at like a grocery store. Like, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, shit, right? My wife and kids are with me. And so all of a sudden, you have but you to. But you got to fall back into the, I mean, you can't, you can't right. break that character. Right, right. Dude. Yeah, no, you got to. You got to stay in character and then you got to get rid of your family real quick. (laughs) That's a whole different level of preparedness, man. I mean, you talk about, you you talk about guys, even, even just carrying, not even just carrying a weapon, but people don't, they don't plan for worst case scenario. They don't, everybody thinks everything's good. It's like when I talk to someone and they're like, why, why would I carry a gun with me everywhere I go? Or why would I carry loaded? (laughs) I was like, are you fucking stupid? Like if I'm carrying a weapon, that thing's going to have one in the chamber. I'm hot. Like I'm ready and I'm ready to use it. But they're yeah. like, oh well, nothing's ever happened. It's like, well, yeah. Okay. What about when it does? Well, right? even even now, man. So, like uh, uh, nowadays, I carry like I'm carrying now. I'm sitting in my house, you know, doing a podcast with you, and I'm still carrying, right? Yeah. Because you these days, the way people are acting and the way criminals are emboldened, dude, you got to be ready for whatever, wherever. Oh yeah, it's it, like you said, it's it's. I mean, there's, there's criminals, but then there's those high level, they don't give a fuck kind of guys. I right. mean, look right. what you and Mark have done. I mean, she, you, were you down there when we went down and, and actually, I don't know if I'll talk about, I don't know if I can talk about it on air, but when, <laughs> there, yeah, I'll talk to about, I'll talk to you about it off yeah. air, but there was um, some stuff, yeah, it's, things <laughs> <laughs> that one time. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's crazy to just to see how, how, how evil, people are you oh, know what dude, i mean this, and they yeah, don't give some... you start talking about cartel oh yeah cartel they isis they don't give that. a shit they will come here yeah. and skin you your your children everybody alive yeah. then just go to dinner like it's nothing yeah oh. um, well and, and it's, i it's mean wild people videos. discount the cartels and, and because they've been glamorized kind of in hollywood and stuff mm-hmm. but uh they discount the violence level of the cartels but see i uh, oh. i'm married to a mexican and her family is she's a first generation american right her mom where's where she from matt real quick came up uh chihuahua Chihuahua, okay. Yeah. So um, there's uh, there's an area down in Chihuahua that is cartel heavy, and her family is all down in that area. And so uh, we've experienced through my wife's family firsthand what the cartels do to their own people, right? Let alone gringos. Do they hate gringos and don't give a shit about oh, us yeah. up here? And gringos is anybody living in the U.S. You could be Mexican, black, yep. white. It don't matter. Black. You're a gringo. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> and we, <clears throat> we went down to... Do you remember my buddy Alex, the kid with the mustache, long hair? Do you remember him that was with us at Shot Show? I know you met ten million people at yeah, Shot Show. No, I don't. So we, uh, Mark knows him better. I think Mark spent more time around him than 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 he has with you, but um, right. than Alex has with you. But we mm-hmm. we were down we were down there in Mexico. We were doing an op. We were in, in La Ciudad. We were in Mexico City. Mexico oh, City is fucking huge, dude. Yeah, huge. Dude. Have you ever been down there? 
Not to no, not that deep. So there's a place called um, Plaza Garibaldi, right? It's a big mariachi area. Like you go, you oh. go there, and there's there's probably shit, fifteen, twenty restaurants, all of them doing mariachi. Like it's it's a uh, blast. I loved it. I was the only white guy, and we were we were working as handlers for this really pretty white girl. She was a buyer, whatever. So okay. we're sitting there, and we get done, and we're all pretty, you know, we're we're we'd been, you know, we had we had a few drinks, but we started going out trying to get our Ubers. Nothing. No Ubers. <laughs> then we found out that in, in Mexico City, the cartels run the taxis. It's kind of like you know yep. mob type shit. Yep. We tried to get a taxi. Taxi saw me. And she, they saw the girl. Would not, would not give us a ride. And we were like, yep. this is my first time in Mexico City. I'm like, the fuck? This is weird. <laughs> and so then we, we started walking. Or this one random person decided to give us a ride, and I was fucking nervous, dude. Like Because we, we can't carry... We, right. we couldn't carry yeah. down there. So we had gone yeah. to a, a restaurant. We stole a couple steak knives, right? So we, we took some steak knives with us. We had them with us. We were like, I was like, I was like Alex, <laughs> if this dude, if this dude does something, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking stab him in his neck. I'm telling you right now. And so we're sitting there. He drops us off. We give him the address, just drops us off like two miles from our hotel. We have no clue. It's two o'clock in the morning. Oh fuck. We're lost. And I'm like, uh, this sucks. So then yeah. we, we see the police and they come over and of course they start, you know, they want to get paid. We right. have ops cash, which is fine. Dude, we paid these guys $100 US each. They ran code in, with us in the back of the car all the way to our hotel, went and got us booze and tacos. Nice. They went, they went and got it, brought it back for us, all for 100 yeah. US. So I'm like, yeah. we didn't have ops cash, dude. I'm, you, just, you just never know. I consider no, myself lucky because how, how easily could that person have been in, been intertwined yeah. with the oh, inner yeah. workings delivered of... delivered you to the wrong spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then gotten yeah. way more money from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So in the company that we were paying for, they would have, they would have paid, you know what I mean? Right. Those NGOs, have a lot of yep. money. So I don't know, man, it's, it's just wild, but t- kind of taking another step back to, to your career. Well, not, not even your career, but law enforcement as a whole, mm. it's changed a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've bit, been in, yeah. you said 30 years you've been in? Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's even changed since, you know, since I was a cop. Even just to na- like right. that very short period of time, there's been oh, a massive dude, change. Yeah. It's every year there's changes now because of technology and everything else. You know, it's just what, what do you what do you feel like is the has been the biggest shift in law enforcement? The biggest change versus when you started compared mm-hmm. to like right now. If you, if you or a couple shift, things, I don't know. Pick. Yeah, it it would probably be a couple things, but I think uh, so. The the interpersonal skills of of people coming into this profession is probably one of the bigger things uh, because people are so used to no face-to-face communication and our job is all face-to-face communication. Uh, So you have people that struggle with that sometimes um, and, and, you know, uh, confrontation uh, and being confrontational and, and then we had this shift in law enforcement where they said, oh, you guys aren't warriors anymore. Now you're guardians. And uh, I, I buy part of that. And I, I actually, uh, when we get new guys uh, that come out of the academy, I, I get to give them a letter. The sheriff has allowed me to do that. And I give them a, a letter and a constitution. The letter welcomes them to the profession. And I kind of hit on the fact that they need to be guardians and warriors. They just need to know when to use one or the other, right? Because there are right. times where we're guardians. There's other times where you're a warrior because uh, uh, I'll tell you, like a cartel member who wants to kill you, you can give a shit if you're guarding something or not. They want to kill you, so you got to kill them first. 
And so that's probably one of the things. Uh, technology, obviously, has completely changed since I started. Like I used to, like when I got my first cell phone as a cop, where the department said, here's a phone so we can get in touch with you. I'm like, what? And, you know, it's a big bag phone in <laughs> yeah. your car that you have to carry around uh, compared to now where I have, you know, a, a basically a mini computer that I carry with me everywhere that Super handles computer. my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so technology. Um, and then I think the other piece, and th- I think this is, uh, is, is very ebb and flow, but uh, over the past decade, the, just the degradation of society and the rule of law and um, and not necessarily like I don't I don't want this to sound like I demand respect for me I'm saying respect for authority in general that that right. has gone away and what that causes is what you see on the streets now you have I think you have people committing violent crimes now that wouldn't if we were allowed to do our job correctly and if society accepted that you know that's a, I mean, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. For me, I look at, I look at the big thing for me was what you said, I, the degradation of society. I mean, yeah. I hate saying downfall cause it sounds like such a, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? It sounds like such yeah. a, a, a dramatic thing to talk about, but man, I, I remember man, Matt, when I was in high school, okay. Small town, Northwest Missouri. Right. There's, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't talk, you like, you don't, you don't talk back. Right. Right. And I think that's just because it was small town. I assume that's how you were raised as well. I mean, wherever you're at, I assume right. it was, you don't talk to adults, you know, the way that right. kids talk to them now. Cause you'll catch and, a hand across the face. Oh dude. I told my mom to shut the fuck up in the middle of an AAU <laughs> basketball game. My dad wasn't there, but my mom uh, got embarrassed. My coach pulled me out of the game, took a technical foul, ran out on the court, grabbed me took me into the, the hallway and he grabbed me, not even by the shirt, grabbed me by my neck, slammed yep. me up against a trophy case. And I remember him clear as day. Kit McFadden, I know you don't do this, you don't watch this stuff, but dude, you, <laughs> thank you. Dude, he grabbed me and he put me up against it and he's like, if I ever fucking hear you talk to your fucking mom like that, I'll fucking knock your teeth down your goddamn throat. And dude, I'm a, I'm a junior in high school and I start you know, I get all emotional. I start crying and then I, you know, I see my mom, but I was like, I knew that for sure, for sure that he would hit me if I ever said that again, 100%, you know, falling asleep in class. My teacher, you know, he'd come up. He's also a basketball coach, slapped me upside the head, never told my father until I was a, was an adult because if I had told my dad, dude, my dad would have beat my ass. Like you better, you better start respecting coach Hartong and you know, and then nowadays, and that same teacher just got fired. Well, forced to resign because some kid, some kid called him a fucking bitch and squared up to him. And right. listen, man, as a cop, when someone comes up to you and they square up, they do this. It's yeah. in my the way that I was taught. It's on, like right, right there. Right. You're dumping them. You're getting it's done. And yep. so Hartong, he didn't hit him. He just grabbed the kid, put him against the wall, and you know, just I don't know what because I, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what he said. I just knew what what had you know what had happened transpired. Right. And yeah, man, the kid filed a lawsuit against the the school. They settled. They forced him to resign. I was like, this is bullshit, man. I just yeah, yeah. seeing how different things are. And then you start looking at the law enforcement side of things. Yeah. No respect, dude. No uh, respect. I don't know if it's a lack a, of fathers, but it's not. I think it's just a lack of leadership and a lack of, of well, balls. The, the balls <laughs> to stand up against. Yep what everybody's saying, you know, you have to be like, we have to be nice to this person. We have to be nice to that person. And I get that dude. And I try to be a good human being to everybody I come across, 
but here's the deal like like the real world is not nice man and and oh, so no. when you're living in the real world like these kids that are in mom's basements or are doing stuff like this and this is their whole world is this illusion of a world uh they think they can say what they want and so you know it used to be like you're talking about basically <clears throat> if you ran your mouth you ran the risk of getting punched in the mouth for saying something out of line and that's what we need more of again is people who talk shit and get out of line get popped in the mouth and get checked and then they go oh okay i know my limits i know my parameters and society needs to stick to that because we're at a point where <clears throat> we've got a bunch of and and the masculinity thing right we need men like i don't give a fuck what your pronoun you think is or whatever pretend game you're playing the bottom line is this there's men and there's women and it's been that way for years since we were here right we, we right. started with men and then we had eve and now we got men and women that's it there was no other creation and uh those are both designed specifically to complement each other and they're designed a certain way and act a certain way and when we do that we have a society that functions correctly um, and ours is so out of whack right now. All the other countries are laughing at us. We are oh, essentially ridiculous. the laughing stock of the world. And we are weak. And now is the time where us guys that consider ourselves strong men are like, oh, shit, it's coming. Because mm -hmm. the minute they see weakness, especially in America, dude, you, you know what it equals. 100%. 100%. It's, it's, it's just like... Not to not to turn around and make everything law enforcement related or whatever, but it's just <laughs> right. for people that have seen this and have watched the show, have watched this, have watched sixty days in. Everybody remembers Abner. You know, Abner was a you know he he you know he I love Abner he had, man. He's he had, a good he, dude. He'd, he'd done time. I mean, legitimate, yeah. serious time. He grew up in gangs. Abner was he knew he, the he, real he world. A, he knew the real world. I mean, that little yeah. kid that came up, whatever the Kaika, some that little black yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, yep. Kid had never been checked, obviously. <laughs> He slapped the right. shit out of him. That kid, yep. what did he roll out of that unit? But that's yeah, all. He had to I roll mean, out of that unit, right? That's but, it, man. But, it's just. The bottom line was this. I mean, the behind the scenes discussions when that all went down is we were like, yeah, because you know the Hollywood people are like, oh my god, we, you know one of our participants assaulted somebody. We're like, eh, is it really assault? You know, like <laughs> yeah, uh, he just saved the kid actually, and and they're like, you, what? And we're like, so Abner did what he had to do, but he took it light on the kid. If he did not do that, then the other guys were going to take care of it. And those dudes have no limits or parameters. Abner right. did. He knew it, right? So he was trying to help the kid out by just giving a one-two or whatever. These other dudes would have monkey-stomped that kid until he was unconscious and, you know, who knows if he would have made it or not. But uh, yeah, it would have been a totally mud hole. scenario. Would have yep. stomped an absolute mud hole in that kid's ass, man. I mean, he was a yep. skinny little scrawny kid. Right. Yeah, man, Abner. And, and I, I really enjoyed him. And people think, uh, like with the whole race thing, they think this is like we have some control over it, and we don't. When you have that situation, like and kind of like Abner told him, you got to pick a side, bro. There's, there's no in between. You can't, like, you can't be our our guy and their guy, and they make up the rules in there. So. The black guys are saying like, hey, you're either with us or you're with the Mexicans. And the Mexicans are saying you're with us or the black guys. You got to pick one. And if you pick wrong, you pay the price. And that's the way it is. And again, that's the real world. Like, that's it. Yeah, it's it's you. There, there are tough decisions to always be made. And then you start talking about incarceration. I can't even <clears throat> imagine 
what it would be like. I want to get your opinion on something in terms, you know, with, with incarceration with yeah. me in, in Utah County, when I was working with them, I remember there were deputies that, that would come in that, and I'm sure you've dealt with them. The young deputies, they, they, it becomes kind of a power trip, especially yeah. in the jail, right? Oh, because yeah, they yeah. know that there's, Oh, I, you know, I need backup and in, in whatever they know that people are going to yeah. be there. Right. And so for me, I remember watching these guys and the way that they operated was very disrespectful and very, mm-hmm. you know, very, Hey, I'm, I'm the shit. Like I'm, I'm the cop kind of thing. Yep. Whereas like, and I'm not, I'm not too, you know, I'm not like touting myself, but for me, man, listen, I'm, you're in a unit by yourself. It was direct supervision, right? Right. You piss off enough of those guys. And all of a sudden one of them's going, oh, to, yeah. you know, say, say he's going to, to prison and he's, he's, he's going to be in there for 25 years. What's stopping yep. him from, if you're, if you're being disrespectful, what's stopping them from right. coming up and beating you to beating yeah. you to death well and, and you, know I mean? you know um i and i grew up like i said i grew <clears> up a little bit gangster um i as a teenager i worked in the uh, fields i worked in potato fields with the migrants and so i had a different understanding of the rules and hierarchies and stuff like that and so when i worked in the jail that carried over so i knew you know i could look in a pod and i could see like okay that dude's in charge that dude's not that's got that's the guy that runs his fucking mouth and and won't shut up but i can and i would use that to my advantage because it ha- sure. there's a, a, there's a whole political system in there and so you just to your point though i do know who you're talking about and yes there are those guys uh but i a i i'm not a punk so i'm not going to be in there acting like a punk right that's and, right I, and I, I wanted respect just like they wanted respect. I wanted my job to be easy just like they wanted their time to be easy. And so it's all give and take. And so, you know, when I had problems, I would just walk over to who I knew was in charge. And I'd be like, hey, That's man, it. so here's the deal. Like, uh, you're going to lose this, this, and this. Not you. Everybody is going to lose this, this, and this unless that dude shuts his fucking mouth. And then that right there, if, be anybody's, like, yep. if anybody's going into corrections, that right there, I think that I'm going to make a clip of that because that right there is a – an absolutely vital key piece of information, like, cause everybody has, pro- has pod workers. When I worked intake, right. I had these two guys. One was, uh, it was funny. One was, one was a Norteño. The other one was, was a Sodeño, but they yeah, were pod. Yeah. They were, they were, but in, in jail, you know, they're, they're not trying yeah. to, right. they're trying to just do their, you know, get, get through, be done. And yeah. I used to tell them the same thing, man. Like there was this one kid that was popping off to me and like, I don't mind fighting. I don't. Right. I don't want to. I right. don't want to have to because I don't want to go to court. I don't want to do all that shit. Right. And so yeah, right. I would just tell Sanchez. I'd be like Sanchez, Vin. I'd be like, come here, and I'd tell him, you know, just be like, be like, who, like, what's his story? Because they all know something different than right. You know, I mean, we have, we have, we see what we see on the, you know, on the, the you yeah. know, the. But they know the, the real story. They know the real story, and they know what else he's done. I was like, what's his, right. what's this guy's background? And yeah, it's the same thing. You get those guys. They do. They will self-regulate and self-govern till they are blue oh. in the face, and they do a great oh, job of it. There was a lot oh, of people. Yeah. I remember reading comments on, on the the the, on the, the sixty days in on the clips and everything else. There were people mm-hmm. on the YouTube channel on A and E that were like, "Why would you have so many of these people in the same you know in 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 the pod <laughs> together? And why why don't you just disperse them between each pod?" And I was like, yeah, "You guys have okay. no like there is a certain we would have there a is a war <laughs> a war, dude, an absolute war." Yeah. And I was like, "There has to be some kind of." Um, um, give and take just, I mean, even from the law enforcement side, right. right you know, you right. have to, there, you, sometimes you do have to kind of fall in place a little bit and, you know, yep. and go with the flow to prevent there from being further issues. Right. Yeah, talk oh, about yeah. there. Well, being then a I war. was, I was always, uh, even growing up, man, you know, like I said, I, I was a white guy in a Mexican neighborhood. And mm-hmm. so I learned a lot. I had to watch a lot. I had to sit back and, and just observe a lot. 
Um, and then I had to watch my six a lot, right? Because uh, I, I got jumped several times growing up just because I was a white guy. And uh, yeah. and it's funny to me, we, you know, and that's the funny part to me as a cop when they were talking about racism and all this shit. And I'm like, dude, I was a victim of racism my whole fucking teenage life because I was the only white guy only in a Mexican guy, neighborhood. Right. Yeah. You were the minority it, where you were at. Right, exactly. And, <clears> and so um, when I got into the jail, you know, I used all those skills that I had learned growing up. And uh, I'll give you an example of what we're talking about right here. There was a dude that came into one of the tanks and this tank was all hitters and ballers man these were all hardcore gangsters and uh there were black gangsters in there mexican gangsters and there was a few white guys <clears throat> and um i watched this little dude and the black dudes man the, the black gangsters that were in there there's a couple of them that were probably six four six five and just i mean green mile looking motherfuckers just big dudes and so uh i watched this little mexican dude he was about five six and he was tatted from neck to toe, man. I mean, he just sleeved up, legs, gets down. chest, everything. Right. He walked into a day room where they were playing spades and being loud and all that stuff. Walked into a day room, did a quick circle, walked over to the phone, looked back at everybody, and then looked back at the phone. Everybody stopped what they were doing, grabbed their shit, and left the day room. And I was like, what the fuck? And so uh, I watched that happen. So a little bit later on, I catch him by himself. He's up in the day room just uh, BS. And, and I said, Hey, come here, man, let me, let me holler at you. And he comes over and I said, so, uh, like how long have you been in here, man? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, like, how long have you been locked up? Um, cause you're, you're an older dude. And he's like, well, first time I went in, he goes, I was like 18 in San Quentin. And I was like, Oh, okay. When was that? And it was like the sixties, late sixties, mid, mid, late sixties. So he's said, an OG so, OG. I said, so you went into San Quentin in the 60s. Okay, so that means that you're pretty connected. And uh, he's like, ah, man, you know, nah. And so he's, you know, kind of playing it off. And I said, well, dude, I'm not dumb. And I'm doing some math. And so you you got to be up there, man. Like, And I said, and I watched what you just did, you know, earlier in this day room. Everybody he goes, what bounced. do you mean? And I said, uh I watched when you walk in and everybody walks out when you gave him a look. And I said, so you carry some weight, dog. And I said, so, you know, like, what's your, what, what are you in the grand scheme of things? And he goes, Thomas, if you've been in it as long as I've been, what would you be? I said, I'd be running this motherfucker. And he goes, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, all right. That's a Everybody knew, man. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. That's, I love that. I'm, well, I mean, I mean, I don't. I don't love that, but like, right, right. It, that's just what it is, right? He's, yeah, oh, yeah. What yeah. he says goes. You just got to learn the culture. Yeah. That's it. And I, you know, I bet, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you got into, you know, the, the spats and the scuffles and everything else, right. but for the most part, I imagine that you were probably one of the deputies that, that inmates were probably pretty excited to have. Like, whenever you came on shift, you know, whether it was day shift or night shift, they were probably like, right, fuck right, yeah, right. we got Thomas, you know. Yeah, so because I was firm and fair, was, dude. That, that was it. Dude, I, I, barely because we had we have minors and majors and things like that you know in terms of write-ups i right. never did majors i barely right. I, I barely ever did minors i'd be like listen i said you're gonna lose all your day room time if you if you don't want to because they inmates love they'll fucking they'll, they'll write on anything dude they'll sit there oh, and yeah. just you know the grout lines in the in the and you know in the walls i was like you can get your toothbrush and you can start scrubbing these just clean it up right or you lose you know you get 24-hour lockdown every time right. they're like i'll clean i'll clean i got you I got yep, you. Yep. Or you make them do shit that nobody wants to do, you know, clean the showers and, you know, and, and it was, it was funny. 
And I always, I, none of that stuff was learned by myself. Like, I didn't just come up with that by myself. It right, came from, right. you know, guys, guys like you that I had been, I, got, I was lucky enough to shadow really good, really good uh, deputies and things like that. Did, well, do you, same. do you, go ahead. I was, no, I was just going to ask, do you know, do you know Sean Bufton? Undersheriff up like here with uh, Mike, Mike Smith's undersheriff, big cowboy. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So Sean was the one who convinced me to, I was going to go highway patrol. Oh, what Sean, oh, I know. Dude, listen. On, listen I, I got it. I, I know. I know. I know. And we were at his house, man. He he goes, <laughs> Sean doesn't listen to this either. And Sean doesn't give a fuck. But dude, he was like, he's like, you, you want to be a, like you want to be a fag with a with a badge and a gun and be triple A. He's like, you go ride on, a, you go right ahead and go to highway. He's like, you want to come where the badasses are, get your ass to county. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, you got yep. it. So man, well, it was and, and again, it was, it was funny. You, you know, growing up, uh, one of the big things was you can't be a punk, right? Like mm-hmm. if you get called out, you got to handle your business, and and that's that. That's just the way stuff is, and so that's kind of the way I grew up, the kind of the way I knew things. And I knew that I had to maintain that level of respect in the jail and on the street, too, because it equals safety a lot of times. Because there's plenty of of times where I walked into a spot and they were like, oh, okay, shit, that's Thomas. All right, don't be fucking around, right? Yeah, Uh, because they know he's he's cool. But, you know, if we get on the other side of that, it's not going to be cool. It's not cool uh, anymore. Yeah, I had uh, I was in the jail still and I was working in there and. This was, keep in mind, for anybody listening that's going to work in the jail, don't ever do this shit. Because it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> but uh, we had this day room with like 70 people in it, right? And there were some brothers in there playing spades. And uh, one of them said, I, went, I was doing security checks. So our security checks, we would just walk around. He was doing open. hours? Yeah, yeah. Hour? And we would, yeah. we would open the door, look in, check on everybody, boom. So I, I do that. And uh, one of the dudes at the table playing spades is, He's like, Thomas, I bet you're a pussy without that badge. And I was like, whatever, dude. And he's like, I bet you're scared to come in here and play spades with us. And I said, he's scared of you guys, too. And he's like, yeah, you are. That's why you ain't coming in here. So I said, all right, man. So I had another dude with me. So I took my badge off. I, to him. I, I took my gun or my, uh, not my gun, but my radio off. And I handed it to him. And I said, look, dude, if anything goes bad, just get on the radio and call for backup. That's all you need to do. And, and everybody will come and they'll help. And he's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to play spades. So I said, lock the door when I go in. And he's like, all right. So I went in and he locks the door behind me and I go over no to the way. table. And uh, I said, deal me in, man. And so the, the one <laughs> dude knew me. So he starts laughing. Ah, goddamn Thomas. And he starts dealing me in. And so the dude that called me out, I looked at him and I said, I ain't got no badge, dude. What's up? And he's like, oh, man, I was just fucking with you. And I said, all right. So I played a game of spades and uh, we were cool. And I left and a little thing like that though, got me mad respect. Right. When I went in there and if I had to deal with anybody, we would deal straight up like two right. like gentlemen, man. essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, Dude, it was good to go. That's hilarious, man. Like that is, yes. And, and like, like Matt said, guys, don't do that <laughs> don't nowadays. Do that. You, yeah, you will, that. you, you'll yeah, that's not, you'll get fired. <laughs> yeah. Or in this landscape with lot with law enforcement, oh, you might, yeah. You might just get 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 poked up, so don't don't be yeah. don't be doing shit like that, man. That's true. Um, I don't. You said something that made me think about, um, like, well, I guess that situation. Maybe that's what it was. But I start thinking now because obviously you you grew up. I assume you grew up fighting. Like you you've, you you got to fight for you know your yeah. way to you know your your way of life. Just you know so people weren't walking all over you and things. Right. So you, there was a certain level of preparedness even in that sense. Now, right. man, I. 
I mean, I'm sure you see it on Instagram. I see a lot of stuff. I mean, even you look at donut operator, you look yeah. at all these, all these law enforcement, um, interactions where someone's, someone should be going hands on or mm. someone should be oh, drawn down. Dude. lethal. Do you, do you, why do you think there's a lack of, Drives of, 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 of training? Cause dude, I watched a video just yesterday. This dude, this female deputy or cop, whatever she was, she had, she, she had less lethal out. This dude had a knife walking towards her saying, I'm going to fucking kill you, bitch. I'm going to fucking kill you. Walked around the car twice. Matt, I, do you know how fast I would have, uh, dude, <laughs> have, I know. Hey, have dumped, I, dumped him. I know. And, and so my, my boy watches that stuff, right? He watches donut. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. watches a couple other dudes that that do the. Hey, bring bring your boy to Shot Show. I want to we'll introduce him to Donut, dude. He would oh, love nice. All right. Donut cool. and Brandon and all those guys. All right, um, but uh, we're watching that stuff, and it, actually, yesterday we're watching one, and my wife's like, "Settle down, settle down," because to they're you? like, "Yeah," because I'm watching it, and they're telling this dude, they're like, "So you need to get on the ground." He's like, oh, "Whatever, whatever." He's you know mouthing off, and I'm like, "All right," and so. They're like, sorry to get on the ground. They do this about five times. And I said, well, it's going to go sideways here in a minute. And she says, why? And I said, because the motherfucker should already be on the ground. That's why. Mm-hmm. I said, they, they just keep telling him, telling him, telling him. I said, all he's doing is preparing for battle. He's just figuring out which one of those guys he wants to take on yep. right now. Sure, shit. <clears throat> Boom. He fights on and he's he picked out one and bum rushed him and they're fighting for a gun. And then the other ones have to get involved. And I'm like, see, that's the shit that happens because they're so hesitant these days. And it, and then, dude. I get why they are because you talk to any of these these guys that are on the streets now. One of their primary concerns, I'll give you two primary concerns. They're going to get blasted on the news media, right? And their administration is not going to back them. Those are the two major things that concern them. And those are the things that are at the forefront of their brain, right? For me, when I was coming up, the forefront of my brain was get home no matter what. That's right. And I'll clean up whatever mess afterwards, right? And I don't care how it looks. I don't care who records it. None of that shit. Because people were backing us and they were saying like, hey, if it went down like this, there was a reason it went down like this. And they understood that. And I think we we lack all of that now. And you got people that think they can argue shit on the side of the road. Like, I'm not the judge, bro. I'm here to arrest you. That's it. You're going to jail, right? Then you Sometimes can figure all that situation. other shit out. Right. Yeah. Cop, cop, we know. We're like, that sucks, dude. This sucks. Right. But if I don't do my job, my ass is on the line. Right. Other deputies' asses are on the line. Like, it's just, I mean, that's, that's tough, man. It really is. And, and I don't know. I look at, I I just look at the, at the, and I hate saying lack of training because I hate taking shots at certain departments, but there, there, I, like you said, there's two things there, there, I think there is a lack of, I don't think it's a lack of training offered. I think it's a lack of law enforcement and you know other guys doing because you got there's there's got to be some some training that you're doing on your own you need to go dude, train yeah let's do well, quarterly lack calls of are not man, enough because that's it if leadership was there leadership would give them what they need and that's one thing that mark and i try to do as best as we can if guys put in for training there's very few trainings that get turned down and, and usually the ones that get turned down is because they're so far outside of what their duties are like sure know, they're, they're wanting to go they're to scoped. this school over here yeah um, but we try to make them as prepared as possible because, dude, that's that's the bottom line. And and I think a lot of uh, law enforcement leaders now, um, and I get at times have changed, but to the core of what we do, 
violence will always be a part of it. And it's not by our choice. It's because right. people are violent and we can only answer that with, with violence back. And if you don't prepare for that, and if you don't talk about it, and if you act like it's not there or it's not going to happen when it does, dude, it's ugly. And, and we're the ones that look ugly because we're not prepared for it. But if you have the, uh, if you have the gumption to stand up and say, Hey, it's a violent world and we're going to deal with it as such. And I'm sorry, you don't like the way it looks sometimes, but that's, that's just, you know, that's how this shit is. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, really, it truly is a violent world. And I, I don't mean, I, I do feel bad for the, for the officers nowadays that, I don't even know what they're what they're you know what they're talking about in the academy in terms of you know drawing your weapon you know whether you're choosing lethal versus less lethal you right. have no idea like dude if someone has a knife I'm not pulling a taser man I'm just not I mean yeah. in my if I'm out if I'm at a grocery store <laughs> or if I'm at a gas station someone pulls a knife out good night yeah. you know yeah. it's well, hey dude and here's the thing the people that argue against those things like oh he only had a knife have never been cut or stabbed. That's, that's Dude, why right. they don't understand it, because that's a touch weapon, man. It touches you, and you are damaged. <laughs> Matt, this, this knife right here, when I moved into this place, this is a funny-ass story. I moved, <laughs> into my, I moved into my house. This is just a little Gerber shitty, you know, my parents got it like years ago, right? I was looking right. for a knife to open up a fucking pizza cutter. Sponsored by Gerber. Spo- <laughs> hey, Gerber, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, this is a Benchmade knife, uh, sponsored by Benchmade. <laughs> So we're we're sitting there, man, and and you know I was by myself. You know I'm not used to being by myself, right? I've been married for ten. I had been married for ten years, and right. and so I'm never alone. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm this pizza cutter's got a fucking zip tie on it, and this is just this is talking about knives. Oh, oh no! And I fucking grab this thing, and my dumbass is cut. I cut towards me because I'm retarded, but dude, my thumb. I almost cut the whole tip off. I had yep. like 18 stitches. Just my thumb, just the tip of the thumb. Just I the lost tip. so much blood, dude. Just, it was just the tip, and that's <laughs> that's a lot. Just so everybody knows, yeah. that's a lot for me. <laughs> just the tip, dude. I I lost so much fucking blood between the time yep. that I got I went from there to the hospital to get get sewed up. I'm like, you have no idea what that could do. Oh yeah. Say say dude. they got you, dude. They, oh, say they, they hit an you, artery. You're femoral, you're fem- yeah. dude. Done. Good done. night. Yep. And I mean, shit, dude. We had a guy. I remember he was a doctor. He had killed his wife and uh so this guy knew anatomy and i was yep. i was this is when i was on fto in the jail and i remember i was walking around and this guy you know he's in his he's in his he's in it was called can one which is canyons one it's it's max you know these guys are out for maybe an hour a day okay. he's sitting here in his in his bag you know in his 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 I guess sleeping bag is what you call it. He, ba- he made himself a sleeping bag, essentially. Gotcha. You know, someone, he, he found a trash bag, wrapped himself up in it, got under his blankets. This dude had not moved since the start of my shift. I came on, I'm like, hmm, oh, he's still asleep? 11 hours later? So I go yeah. in for my last check, and I'm like, I'm like, hey. I won't say his name, but I was like, hey, nothing. So I ask, I ask uh, you know, control. I was like, hey, can you, can yeah. you holler in there on the, on the, the, the intercom? Nothing. And so I like, I, I have him pop it and I look in, this dude is about as, I mean, about as white as this keyboard. And I'm like, oh, uh. no. and then, <laughs> mind you, I hadn't seen a dead body up to this point, right? And, which the dead body didn't really bother me, but it was the right, way that right. he did it, dude. He had taken a pencil and he had dug into his femoral artery mm. and let himself bleed out. So when he, when we opened up the, whoo, dude, when we opened up that, <laughs> when we lifted up the sheets, we were like, I mean, blood's all just falls all over our feet. And I was like, Oh "Oh my God. And that was, that was a crazy thing. So yeah, people, anyways, all this to say, Matt is exactly right. It is a touch weapon, a knife. If someone knows what they're doing, 
so deadly, so yeah. deadly. Yep. Um, and dude, we don't have so... to. That's the, that's the other misconception is like I don't have to wait around and try and figure out like what they might do with it. If a dude's got a knife and I'm a cop telling him drop the knife. Like, there's no discussion there. We're not arguing. We're not trying to negotiate. I'm telling you what you need to do because in my mind, I've already drawn the line. And if you cross it, you're dying. That's it. That's because right. Because I don't want to get hurt. And I mean, that's just, like I said, Guys, this is not, not legal pretty. advice. This is not legal right, advice yeah. from us when we're, like, when you're out, you know, by yourself. It's all about self-preservation and that, you know, right, that's why, right. you know, it's important to go train. It's important to know your laws, everything else. Right. There's so much that goes into it. But at the end of the day, for me, it's very black and white. If I feel like you're going to hurt me, my family, or other innocent people, yeah. I have no problem with it, dude. I, I, no problem at all. I, yeah, and you've got to know, you've got to know all that stuff. You And that's, it gets back to mm-hmm. the point that, that we were talking about earlier. You, you just have to understand all of this stuff. And, uh, and add it to your repertoire so that when the time comes that you're confronted with something, you know how to deal with it. Because if your brain is scrambling at that point to try and figure it out, you're, you're behind the curve, way behind the I mean, curve. What, what, do they, what do they talk about, you know, in SWAT and, you know, in, in the Uru in, loop. In the, yeah, the Uru loop, man. I mean, you get tunnel vision and all of a sudden, what are they, I mean, the SEALs and the SEALs and the Rangers, they always talk about you, you fall back to your, uh, you know, to your training. Like essentially right. when you're, when you're like, do you know who Jason Redman is? By mm-hmm. chance, Jay. So mm-hmm. Jay, Jay's a good buddy of mine. He looks like shit. Jay, I love you, right. but you are fucking ugly. <laughs> and he got any, he got his face blown off. If anybody doesn't know that, and uh, dude, and and Jason's, I mean, dude, his whole story is crazy because Jay was yeah. like, Jay called a strike on basically on himself because he was right. like, my guys right. are over here, and I'm in the, you know, in this brush. This is happening, man. Right. And and right. He's, but he he didn't panic. He wasn't trying to like scream for help for these guys. He didn't. He knew that he wasn't going to get his guys in, you know, in any more danger. So I love Jason That's for that, man. That's how those dudes and, are, man. And thank God he's still here because Jason is one of the – Jason's story is so cool. I don't know if you ever read his book, but man, I have not Jason, yet. I'll, I'll, I'll have Jason one down to you, but, dude, his, his story, from how arrogant he was to where he is now, it's unbelievable. But yeah. um, listen, man, so, okay, so your, your background, right, your, the right. way that you grew up, everything else, all the shit that you've been, been through up to this point – what made you initially, when you, when you got into law enforcement, what was like, man, I'm going to be a cop? Was it more of just like a, hey, I want to I do this, I want a job, and it's a solid job? Like, a, you know, so whether it's... Nah, it was so, dude, honestly, growing up, man, I, you know, I had family on both sides. And, uh, oh, you did? Yeah, so I, I, have, uh, I have family that has, like, one of my family members just got out about five years ago after, I think, 32-year stint, so... He, he did some time, and then I had a, another uh, family member that was a uh, full patch HA, uh, and you know doing that. So, you know, I had both sides going on. That's and, Hell's uh, Angels, yes, HA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I could have went either way, and I think what what ended up happening ultimately is, uh, at 19 years old, I had a girlfriend now wife who was pregnant and I had to figure it out. Right. And, uh, grow up I quick. Was like, yeah, man, I got to figure this out. And I knew I wanted to serve in some capacity and I was actually looking at the Marine Corps and this, and, uh, um, I got in a fight with my Marine recruiter and we, we parted ways after a couple of fuck yous and, and back and forth. And then, uh, I, I went this direction and I, I needed to, in my mind, I needed a stable government job, right? I needed good benefits. 
I needed to take care of my kid. I needed to take care of my wife, something stable that would be there, kind of recession proof. Um, and that's why I jumped in. But it, it, it was that. Uh, but I knew I like I always had the desire to get into something bigger than me. I just didn't know sure. what that was going to be. And uh, this this became it. It's funny how that happens, man. You yeah. know, it's like like I said, you you're young, you grow up quick. It's like, well, shit, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Fi-. Like you said, you have to figure it out. You know, right. nobody's holding your hand saying, "Hey, well, <laughs> you know, come do this." Like it's not how it happens, man. Especially right. back right. when you started. I, I can only imagine. I mean, it's yeah. there's no yeah. internet. You know, where you have all these different things you can do, and right. um, it's it's crazy to think about. And obviously, in 30 years, you've seen some shit. Yes, yeah, yeah, seen you, a few some yeah. some some dark shit. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, that I usually try to talk about on the, you know, on the podcast is, is yeah. I try to touch on mental health a little bit, right? Oh, Especially yeah, yeah, dealing yeah, dude, with that's law with enforcement, me, huge, huge. Yeah. So I want to ask you what, and, and I'll give you my opinions on it because I don't, I don't do pills. Like I, I yeah, went, I right. did a, I went through a where I was doing, you know, I was, I was on the Ambien. I was taking Zan, like, it was not good. I wasn't like addicted, but I could, you see everybody in that, that is incarcerated and all of a sudden. Yeah. It, it's one little thing that, you know, one, one single accident or one incident, their whole yeah. life has changed. Right. Yeah, and I used to tell sure, the same dude. guys, like along those lines, I was like, listen, man, the difference between you and me is you got caught and I didn't, right, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it's not like that anymore, but yeah, man, I went, I was not in a good spot mentally, emotionally. I mean, there's, there's tattoos about, you know, the, my, my story and things like that. Right. Um, very, very dark place. And a lot of that had to deal with some of the stuff that we were seeing, both in ops for that organization. And then the other, the other one was as a cop, man, when you're seeing not, you know, not to, not to be crass or be uh, too graphic. When you see a dead kid, that Mm -hmm. does something to you. You know what I mean? When you peel a, yeah. When you peel a kid out of a car seat, it's not, yeah, mm, no, that's that's a dark. So how do you you, deal with that? You you explain to people in this, in this profession and uh, you know, the military guys are obviously subject to it as well. Sure. Um, you lose a little piece of your soul every time you see some of that stuff, just the darkness of humanity, the, the destruction, the, the death, um, especially like you said, when you're talking, when you're talking about kids, um, I've had a lady burn to death that I had my hands on, but I couldn't get her, you know, all the way. Um, shit like that. I had one of my teammates on SWAT fall to his death on a rappel right in front of me and I pulled him off the line and um, you know, when you're dealing with shit like that, uh, it, it wears on you, dude. And so, um, you know, as I got later in my career, uh, the, the crazy thing that young guys don't realize, and man, I'm trying to sound the horns to these young guys, is a lot of this mental stuff starts manifesting itself physiologically, right? And, and you start having physical symptoms from mental stuff that you've been dealing with. And so... Um, you know, I've talked about this a few times, but, uh, the first time I had a heart attack, bro, uh, I was, I think I was about 42, 41, 42. I'm in my bedroom, heart starts racing. Uh, I'm like, man, something's, something's going on. Right. And I start feeling funny and, uh, I'm ironing clothes. I'm not doing anything crazy. And I tell my son and he was just a little shit. And I said, Hey, dude, go get mom and tell her we need to go to the hospital now. And he's like, okay. So he runs and he tells her. She doesn't even ask questions. She grabs the keys and goes out to start the car. And I just start out there and yep. I, I meet her there. 
And I get in the car and she's like, what's going on? And I said, I'm having a heart attack, I think. And so she says, well, let's call 911. I said, fuck 911. They're not going to get here in time. And so I said, just drive, right? Because we're going to get there faster. And she says, well, call 911 at least while I'm driving. And I said, okay. So I pull up my phone and I can't see anything. And so I'm like, what the fuck? Like everything was white. Was it blurry or was, okay. It was just white. Just like, I couldn't see shit. And so I'm trying to feel my phone and I'm like, fuck, I don't know, you know, and it was, it was a fucking Blackberry. <laughs> and so I'm trying to fill my numbers and I'm like, I don't know where my fucking numbers are. I can't hit 911. And so I'm, then it starts making you freak out more. And I'm like, fuck. So get to the hospital. Uh, she gets me in they pew, they get you right back when some shit like that's going on. Right. And so they get me back there. They hook me up to all kinds of machines. They run all these tests and they do all this shit. And, uh, I'm feeling better. And the doctor comes in and he's like, so tell me what's going on, man. And then, so I tell him everything. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. No heart attack. I was like, nah, dude, something that, like Is I had a panic attack, attack. I'm sure. Fucking panic attack, bro. Never even heard of, you know, like I've heard of them, but I thought that's, that's something that that's some made up shit in somebody's head that they just freak out and you know, whatever. And a uh, doctor finally nails it down for me. And he's like, you had a panic attack. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm not a pussy. And he's like, no, nah, dude. Uh, like that's, that's what you had. And I said, I, why would I have a panic attack? And so we start talking about stress and caffeination and all that stuff. And, uh, yep. figure out very quickly, um, uh, that my glass was full and, uh, it was starting to overflow. And that's what I'm saying is like your body. I had zero control over that entire event, bro. And my body decided, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And it was all a result of and that. Nothing sets stress. Off. No, not at all. I was ironing. Off, I was ironing fucking clothes, man. <laughs> we, yeah. yeah, I, I, I remember. I mean, and, it, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like be like, oh, well, yeah, I do, I do, I have one too. Like, I'm not, I'm not that. No, guy. no. I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, for me, right. it happens I, again. I, dude, I was, I listen, man. I grew up on a farm in Northwest Missouri. We don't, you don't talk about mental health. You don't talk about. <laughs> you, you just don't talk about that. You're, you're. Bro, you're, I had an old Texan for a grandpa. Yeah, you did. You just yeah. drink some whiskey and shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> they'd, be like, they'd be like, quit being gay. Fucking yeah. go fucking get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And so I, uh, it's funny. I was, I was driving on I-15 and I, I had an, I had an F-150 and I had like a light bar underneath recessed. Like it was a nice truck. And, and I was leaving a basketball game out of Spanish Fork, Utah. And I'm just, I'm just driving, man. It's probably 10 o'clock at night. It's a late game. And I'm driving home and I'm like, <sighs> like I start taking these deep fucking breaths and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing was hurting in my chest, but right. I just remember I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And then I, then I, I couldn't calm down. Then my yeah. hands started tingling and I've never had that happen. I'm like, uh, it's oh shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. And my eyes, like, I just like, my vision was just kind of getting a little blurry and, and I'm, I'm freaking out. I see highway patrol. I'm like, boom, Roger that. I fucking dude. I floor it to him and, and I'm up behind him. I'm flashing my light bar at him trying to just like get, <laughs> get some help. Cause I'm, I'm, I can barely drive as it is. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and try to call nine one one. Right. Right. I'm like, I need help highway, dude. I follow him for probably a mile and he just fucking speeds off. <laughs> he misses the exit because I thought, okay, maybe he'd get on the exit, come back, whatever. Nothing. Yeah. I'm like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And so, and this is when I'm still with County. I'm freaking out, man. I'm like, Oh fuck that. He just left me. I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to run off this road. I'm going to hit someone. And so I'm, I'm over on the right lane. It's a four or five lane highway and I'm going 50 miles an hour. I'm just like, I'm trying, I'm squeezing my steering wheels tight as I fucking can. (laughs) And then I I see my, I get, I get lights behind me and I'm like, I've never been more excited to get pulled over in my entire life, man. And, And so I'm sitting there and, 
and and he pulls me over and he comes he comes sprinting up and he's like he's like are you, are, are you okay? And I was like no. No, like I couldn't hardly talk, and I I, yeah. I managed to I managed to grab my my you know my my what do they, what do they call the what you have your, your I mean the your key your key card your ID your badge everything right so I I grab right. my my bifold oh, whatever you want to call it so, yeah my and so I grab it and I fucking hand it to him and he's like he gets on the radio and I swear to God within two minutes I had fire EMF everybody was there <laughs> close off the far right two lanes because you know when yeah. you're when you're a cop man they oh yeah they don't yeah. they don't they don't they don't they, fire they, they gets there all, the all your clothes off whether you need it or not <laughs> dude I sat I sat I sat next to a next to my on my on back of my tire and I'm just trying to breathe and it was the craziest thing ever to me because I'd never had anything like that I was never on anxiety medication the depression meds yeah. but that right there the the guys were they were like well have you you know do you do you suffer from anxiety what meds are you on I was like I'm not fuck I don't fucking take meds I'm not a bitch <laughs> and and they anyways man they I didn't go to the hospital or anything but the but the 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 EMTs that they were there they they said the same thing they're like well have you yeah. ever had a panic attack and I said no not a, <laughs> like I don't like what is what is that and they they started talking to me about it and I was like fuck yeah I had a panic attack yeah, yeah. and man I've had I've had a, I haven't had one in a long time. I think last right. one last time I had one was like two years ago. But yep. they're not a fun thing. I mean, no, I think no. the biggest thing, not saying that you know it's going to kill you, but I think I think a panic attack could probably drive someone to not into a manic state, but I think that repeated instances of that could cause someone to look for drastic measures. Yeah. Look, you know, start taking yeah, yeah. drastic measures to try to prevent well, themselves from having honestly, that. Well, I think dude, I think if you have a bad enough one, I, I think you could, and I don't know if this. is medically possible but i feel That's, like yeah. you could go into cardiac arrest you yeah know, because you're freaking out so bad so Dude, you thought you were going to cardiac you thought you were having a heart yeah. attack oh yeah that's, how, that's was, how crazy it was i was fully convinced that i was having a heart attack yeah and and so back to the mental health piece i i think right. uh you know mark and i have both made it kind of a thing where where we talk about it openly like we talk like this we talk about our issues sure. that we have and uh, we try and tell our, our guys and gals, like, it's cool, man. It's cool to talk about it. It's cool. You know, I, I see a counselor, which I would have never have, A, done in the beginning of my career and B, admitted to. Uh, but, dude, one of the best moves ever. And then uh, I'm going to be honest, man. Um, faith and that are the two things that have brought me back around to where I have a normal psyche again and where yeah. I can function uh like most normal human beings and and it's it's weird because i think you get so used to doing what you're doing that you don't even realize you're fucked up uh yeah. because yeah. it you know it's just normal <clears throat> to you yeah when when you start when you start talking about faith like for me i grew up mormon right i'm not mormon right. anymore obviously like but for <laughs> me I'm, I, I wouldn't okay i wouldn't say i'm religious i'm not religious right, right? but i i there's there's something out there, right? There's a right. divine, like there there is, and you. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. opinion, you have to be grounded in something like that or along those yeah. lines. And for me, um, I that was that was one thing that, um, I don't know, man. When you start talking about the fact that that your faith brings you, you know, brings you back to normal, yeah. I look at faith and I'm like, well, listen, man. If there's this much evil in the world, there's got to be equal amount of like if there's there's something driving that that evil there's right. got to be something driving the good you know what i yeah, mean yeah yeah dude, and and so I'm, I'm one of those guys that's of the opinion that we're living in hell this is hell here and uh whatever yeah. whatever heaven or the afterlife or whatever 
um, you know, that's that's the good stuff. This is the bad stuff because uh, there's no way with all the death, destruction, and bad shit going on, you know, that this could be right. anything but. How much worse could it be? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I want to ask you kind of a – I don't know if anybody's ever asked you, but I mean – are are you are you afraid of death? Are you afraid to die? Does it scare you to uh, die? The idea of dying. So my answer has changed, um, and it used to be no, and now I would say yes more than I ever have been in my life. Uh, and I think the weird part is, as I age, right? Because you start to have, <laughs> you start to have uh, friends or coworkers that uh, maybe same time frame as you came into the job or maybe a little bit ahead of you in the job or have retired and they're starting to die. And so, uh, and I'll be honest, dude, um, I say this jokingly, but it's true. I, like I didn't think I was going to live this long. Um, I was going hard and fast and I was all in on this job and I was all in on all the high speed units and shit. You're ready to go. And I was ready. Yeah. And, and I didn't have a problem with that and I wasn't afraid of it. And I've done some crazy shit in my career um, and not to to be able to say like, oh, I'm a crazy motherfucker. It was because I was all in on it and uh, I wasn't worried about death. But now as I get older and now I'm, I'm a fag, dude, I'm a former action guy. Right. <laughs> I'm not the dude that's in in the fucking mix. I, I am I'm a leader in the organization, but I don't get to I'm not out kicking doors and all that stuff. Kicking doors, yeah. It becomes different for you because now I'm more of an office guy. I'm more of an admin guy. I'm kind of removed from that stuff. I mean, I can go, you know, get my fix on every once in a while and go hang out with the dudes that are doing that all the time. Um, but that, I think, has caused me a mental shift as I approach the end of my career and get to go into the civilian world. I'm worried about, like, man, am I am I going to have any time to have any fun or anything? Am I, yeah, you know, yeah. fun in the civilian life? or uh, So I, I think I, I, I guess maybe I'm not worried about death, but I think about death more than yeah. I ever have. Well, you're coming to terms with the idea of your mortality. Like it's yeah. uh, it, it's more so than maybe you ever have in the past. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I was, I was just thinking about, I mean, being, you know, being a, being a fag, being a former action guy, that's hilarious yeah. by the way. I've never heard that. And, <laughs> and I've heard a lot of those acronyms. Um, <laughs> Do, you, do have you noticed yourself? Give me a quick answer here. Have you noticed yourself being more calm than you were when you were, you know, high speed kicking oh, doors? So, 100%. so tell me when when Dickhead was on the show or the after show, <laughs> and he and he started he started talking his shit. Would, yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying like oh, in front of cameras and everything else. Would you have handled that differently when you were younger? If you got if if you guys were, dude, I would have handled. So what people don't know from the show is I was fresh off knee surgery at that point. And okay. so when we filmed that episode, we flew out to New York to film that. And two days prior, I had gotten cleared by the doctor to drop my crutches. But he told me, I'm only going to write the order for you not to have crutches if you don't go back to full duty. You have to, you know, you're at a desk. Job. Light duty, yeah. Right. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, man. Because I, I was a 16 weeks on crutches, so I wanted to get rid of the crutches. And so I dropped the crutches two days before we were in New York. So what you can't see on the show is that I have a fresh knee surgery on my, my right leg and I'm not real mobile and I knew that I couldn't get around much. And so there was a point where I had already decided I'm fucking him up. Like I'm going across the table and I'm going to knock this motherfucker out. Cause I had already thought 
I was already like, okay. I still, I still have my money on you, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> even with the next surgery. <laughs> but I, I had already planned out in my head. I'm like, okay, I can only punch him a couple times because I don't want it to be ag assault. I want it to just be simple assault. And then when New York PD gets here, like I think I can get away with a simple assault charge and not lose my job. So I had planned all this out as he was talking. And then I start looking at the table and I'm thinking how, okay, how, what is my best route to get to him and get a couple punches in? And so all of this was going on as he was talking. And luckily I had the sheriff right next to me and the sheriff saw me. So I started scooting out to the edge of my chair and I was getting ready. I was like, all right, it's fucking on. And the sheriff put his hand on my leg and he's like, no, 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 no. And so I'm like, oh. and, but I'm still amped up and I'm ready to go. And the funny part is big guy, chief Hedrick, our chief from the jail yeah. leans over to Abner and he goes, dude, watch this. Cause he knew what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so he leans That's over and shit. tells him that. And it was about that time that uh, my boy Mark across the way, one of the other participants jumps up and is like, man, fuck you. And then they're going to go at it. Right. So I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. All right. Somebody else is going to kick his ass. So I kind of lean yeah. back in the chair and, and they went at it. And uh, so much so people started jumping up and they called a, a hard stop on the set and they got Steve the fuck out of there and they took him off set and they wouldn't let us leave. They're like, no, you, you guys need to stay in here. Uh, while we get him peace. offset. Is that what yeah. they were trying to yeah, do? Yeah, they were trying yeah. to keep the peace. But I was like, look, I'm not going to chase after the dude. I'm just, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that was that was the end of that. But, yes, if that it's was a, pussy, a, younger, I, a younger me with no knee injury, yeah. It's on. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, on. yeah, dude. I, dude yeah. I could, I could, I could kind of tell. I mean, just – I would have – listen, man. I would have paid a lot of money to watch that. Just watch you <laughs> beat him like a fucking drum. That would have been hilarious. Oh, he was such a but punk, dude. Such a punk. Yeah, he was he was an idiot, but yeah. we're not gonna give him a whole lot of attention here. He, right, I right. loved a lot. I, a lot of the other people there, they seemed really good, man. It's one, of, it's it's my favorite season. It really is, yeah. like Pinal County, and obviously, I'm biased now because I'm friends with you and Mark, right, and so right, right. you yeah. know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you guys know who who Matt Thomas is from the show? <laughs> you know Sheriff Lamb? Like, yeah, let me yeah. show you. No, everybody so else was super good. It's been man. fun, and man. A lot of them we've stayed in contact with, we became friends with, and and we'll. I love that. Hit each other back. Abner, dude, I was walking down a street in the Bronx with my wife. We were getting coffee and going back to the hotel and a car pulls up and they're like, yo, Matt. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me in New York? No. Like somebody knows you. Abner. (laughs) Are you serious? Bro. Yeah. So he jumps out of his car and they're like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, man. Dude, that's it's a small world, man. I mean, it really is. Especially if you treat people the right way to get even smaller all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, listen, man, one last thing. I'm not, I'm not going to yep. keep you forever. I want you to talk no, about good. your book. Okay. I want okay. you to talk about yeah, yeah. a couple things. What All drove right. you to, what drove you to write it? What, tell me everything. Um, so a couple of driving factors. Uh, one was I knew the story needed to be told, right? Um, the sheriff had thoroughly convinced me of that. He was a big pushing factor of, of like, man, you got to do this. Right. And so, uh, and he had done one already. So he was kind of helping me, you know, as I went along cause I'm self-published. So I I knew I wanted to get the story out there. I worked with a lot of great men and women, and uh, we fought that battle. And you're still seeing the battle go today. And it's a battle that people didn't even know was going on. Like they had no clue. This And we were 30 minutes outside of the major Metro Phoenix areas doing this stuff. And so I wanted to kind of honor the work that uh, that all those people had done and all the, the just absolute heroes that I got to work with through the years. 
um, wanted to honor that. And then I wanted a unfiltered, unfettered version of what was actually going on. No politics, no politics in it, no bullshit in it. Just here's the shit we did. Right. And, and even, and, you know, as I wrote the book, I figured out like, okay, I want these stories in there, but then I thought I have to lay out who I am too. And uh, so at the beginning and it, and it felt weird because it's, it's weird talking about yourself and, and telling people, you know, look at me. Um, that was all weird, but I knew that I had to lay the groundwork. Like, here's who I am. Here's how I grew up. Here's how I know the things I know. Um, and then, so I went through that stuff, kind of letting them know who I am and why I can talk about what I can talk about. Then I went into the structure of the cartels, some of the beliefs of the cartels as we know it, you know, how we deal with them. Sure. And then I went into the operations and I kind of wanted to lay out a story. So from start to finish, they would understand here's this guy and here's how he grew up and here's how he knows the things he knows about the Mexican culture and all the Mexican cartels. And then here's what he did as a cop. And then here's how they're structured. And cause I wanted it when we got into the operations and they started reading the stuff we were doing, I wanted them to, like when they hear terms or they or things would go a certain way, they would understand why it was going that way. So I kind of wrote sure. it all like that. And uh, yeah, then, dude, it was a, like a three-year process uh, to get it. Oh, it was that long? From, yeah. Oh, from, shit. From me starting to write till I published last year in November was about a three-year process. Uh, because what I was had, that feeling? I, I had a job, dude. <laughs> yeah. Regular what was that job, feeling right? like when you were finally, when you were finally done, it was a go. I mean, was it just so much relief? I mean, yeah. well, it's a long time, dude. It is a long time. And so I'll tell you this, when I, uh, when I finished the manuscript, I thought I was done. Right. I'm like, all right, cool. I wrote a book. Nah, not even close, man. And like I said, I'm self-published. So nobody was doing this shit for me. I had to figure it out. And luckily all of it. I have a lot of good friends. Uh, Katie Pavlich, she wrote my forward for me. She gave me a lot of guidance, a lot of help. The sheriff gave me some help. Uh, a lot of people along the way, man. Randy Sutton, he's a, a Vegas cop, retired, and gave me a lot of good advice and introduced me actually to my editor. Um, and then um, Joe, a friend of mine out of Washington or Oregon, um, he did my cover for me. And just it was cool because I just reached out to my network and I said, hey, I'm doing this thing and I need some help. So I wrote a book and now I need to publish it. And I got all this help. And then uh, that that kind of helped me get to the finish line. And when I got that when you get that first copy, like I was like, fuck yeah, man. Cause yeah. all your work yeah. just comes together and, and people don't understand. Like, dude, when I, like when, when you see somebody, when they're like, Hey, I read your book, dude, this is, this is my life. Right. And it's a, it's a part of me and it's a part of my family. And so when people told me or would tell, will tell me, I read your book. I loved it. Dude, it does my heart so good because, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I put my life into that and, and, uh, it, it's a, it's a cool thing, man. Cool thing. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine doing, you know, writing a book. I'm such a private person when it comes to certain aspects of my life. You know what right. I mean? I like the idea of, especially you, you, you've been in law enforcement for 30 years, man. Right. You're letting people in on a big portion of your life. Like yeah. that's a, yeah. you know, that's a big portion, regardless of if you're just talking about your career. I mean, you spent more time. I assume with, you know, with people in your career than you oh, ever yeah. were able to at home. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, and I so want to honor them too. So that's a big that's thing, right? right? When, when you write some of these stories, you want to make sure you, you honor them right. And you don't have anybody that's like, oh, dude, why'd you tell that part? Or, you know, whatever. You just want to make sure that you're honoring yeah. everybody that did the work with you and not trying to, uh, not messing up the story or not trying to take any glory or any of that. 
I think I think that's why I I really really like you know your book and 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 Sheriff Lambs and Jason Redmond's is because yeah. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw any of the there's there are a couple certain team guys you know team you know seals that have they made books and it's all about them it's all it's all right, it's all fucking me baby like right, right but then you you read you read the, the about the guys that are on the opposite side of that that it's about it's a we thing not a me thing right, and right. uh i i love i love reading those books man it's it's amazing you know whether it's audio you know actually sitting down and reading it i've got mine mine's upstairs with all the seal books it's right it's right between rob's and jay's and you know nice, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing cut. man it's fun <laughs> well, it's it's funny because like people don't they see they don't really think I'm a reader, and then they right. people come over to my house and they see all these books. They're like, "You haven't fucking read these." I'm like, "I know these people. Of course, I've read them. Like, I have to. I'm required to read them." I and even so, put some pictures in mine because I knew cops. <laughs> <laughs> They're just gonna go stir crazy, just looking at the at the at the words the whole time. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it, man. Well, listen. Where, first off, where can they where can they get the book? And then second off, where can people find you on social media, Matt? Um, so I'll start with social media. I am most active, almost exclusively on uh, Instagram. I try to stay active on the other shit. I just don't have the time. So I'm, I'm on Instagram as deputy underscore one time. And, uh, I'm on LinkedIn too sometimes, but, uh, my website is onetimenation.com. You can get the book there. Uh, that's the easiest way to get it directly from me. I got them here. Uh, the other way is any of the platforms, man, if they, you know, Apple books, Kindle, uh, Amazon, all that stuff, it's available everywhere. Awesome. 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 Brother. Well, listen, I, guys, we'll put his number up on the, we'll put his phone number on the, the, the description as well. So you guys can text Matt. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Him. Hey, what are you yeah, doing? Him, yeah. Him and Sheriff Lamb. It'll be great guys. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> they would love it. No, man, Matt, I appreciate you, brother. I really do. I mean, I, uh, I, I would love you, to. Man. I, if wherever, if wherever, if I'm ever back down, you know, around Phoenix, or if you're ever up yep. this way for any reason, shit, man, I might just bring my stuff down to to vet, you know, down to Vegas because I've got got a lot of people down there that I could, be like, hey, you want to hit an episode? So oh, dude, yeah. If you want yeah. to, man? I would love to because me and Sheriff Lamb, we've got to hit another one. I, yeah. I, uh, I was gonna do an episode with you and him, and so yeah, I went bro. and bought another microphone. Let's it's this shot. Let's do uh, shot. Oh, dude, it'd be so fucking fun. Yeah. And so I had one it. microphone, and it was just a mess. So I. Sheriff Lamb owes me another episode. So, and now yeah. that we're like, we like know each other and, you know, we'll talk every now and then. Um, yeah. It's going to be good, man. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. So, is there, if there's anything that I can do for you, seriously, you have my number. Call me, text me, whatever, anytime. I'm there. So, uh, yeah, man. Guys, I appreciate you again. This is Riley Williams with Matt Thomas. Matt, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so yeah, much. Man. Thank you.